All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I hate to break the fishing news after Ramchuk, but I'd like to speak about the ice hockey. Congratulations. You're one of the 13 listeners of the Real Life Podcast. We just traded a migraine in for like an orgasm. Might want to mark that down. Yep. All of my projects are on schedule until they're not. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. About as funny as we're going to get today. How about that? That's a new intro the boys got. The explosion at the end is yeah. heavy duty. Yeah. Boom for the streets. That's so. uh that that that's a opener for people for the 13 people on the inside. Yeah. That makes us sound a lot funnier than I think we really are. Mm-hmm. That was the highlights of our first 163 shows. <laughs> that was the best 15 <laughs> yeah. seconds no, I'm three really we had. I'm not wearing those headphones. <laughs> yeah. exactly. Serious FOMO. Over oh, here, no. Right? It's, yeah, he started no. making a best of show for the New Year's or whatever. And just ended with off. an intro. And that was the intro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Welcome into Nation Real Life episode 156. You're hearing a lot of voices. I'm Tyler Yurumchuk. Wanye's here. Jay's here. Chalmers here. Bag Milk. Mexico bound. Not on the show. But we do have Shane Fennessy. And this is exciting. We've been hyping it up on social media he was an associate producer on the recent Connor mcdavid documentary that came out to uh, shane thanks for giving us some time hey thanks for having me guys and thanks for all the uh posts and uh, publicity for the documentary well our instagram account got deleted today for real for real what so happened? if you don't want to hang out with us anymore because we don't have any reach i get it so you have zero followers we have zero followers uh, and zero account we're working you know, let's with, start fresh we have yeah. a few websites we can <laughs> use to rebuild them but boy howdy so if you're looking for promotion Mm. I will only take 50% of proceeds going forward, being the jumping off point for your new social media. Excellent. Yeah, oh, excellent. Have to start again from today. No, that's the nation real life. The good one. The Oilers nation one got deleted. Charles. Yeah, the one with like oh, 60,000. The juggernaut. Yeah, yeah, so we're working on getting it back. We had to send a lot you of guys documentation. Did this, this happened with Twitter. Oh, Twitter. got deleted. Yeah. You I know, we, we're just misunderstood. Scofflaws. No, what? there's a bunch of accounts got deleted. My boy, Kaylor Mimamoto, one of my favorite Instagram accounts. I, I almost cried. He got deleted. 
he DM me and he was like, I'm gone. And I'm like, what do you mean gone? Like I thought he was injured in real life. Poor guy. <laughs> so Instagram's cracking down, but we got hit with impersonation. Yeah. Someone's following. Uh, but what they don't realize, which the Oilers didn't realize for years is OilersNation.com is our registered trademark. Right. So sorry, Instagram, give us back our account. But of course you can't like call Zuckerberg up and get him to reinstate <laughs> yeah, shit. It's very political. It's emailing someone's MySpace or routes through a firewall. Yeah, and yeah, I've been trying to get verified for a year now and they keep shutting me down. Really? I wow. think I need a Wikipedia page. I read that that helps. Hmm. So I of course created my own Wikipedia page. The dream. I, that got rejected. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you just Wait want a minute, to plug. You can't just like they, they screen it to, and, and approve it. You need to have at least three independent verifiable like first or uh, second degree sources or something like that. So you need, like, your name needs to be in the news and you need to be notable. I, I know something you did to be notable. Yeah. Is that? Your M check? Do you want to give a blinding intro to what's happened? Well, the documentary? Yeah, that's how I introduced him. I said he was an associate producer on the McDavid the, the thing that everybody did this weekend? Yeah, that should get everybody involved, oh, verified geez. by every social yeah. media yeah. thing. First off, I was rattled. So I, not about the documentary at all. No, Very well done. probably the same experience. thing everybody did. Everybody who would have, because the Friday, I, I wasn't unable to watch the skills competition. So I recorded the documentary. Mm -hmm. Alas, the skills competition runs 30 minutes late. And then we get to see the first half of the documentary. And then I got to go ice fishing the next day with a bunch of people that saw the whole documentary. And I had to tell them to shut up the whole time because mm -hmm. I had to re-record it and watch it on Sunday. Makes for good fishing. Oh. Well, the good news is you knew how it ended regardless. With him scoring a bazillion goals this year and leading the NHL in scoring, which was great. Usually knowing the ending for something ruins it, but that was just fantastic <laughs> so work. So what, what, what we did was at our house, my wife, uh, she watched it that night while I was out. Um, we went in after our men's league hockey game and they were playing it with sound in the bar wow. where we went to. Yeah, and so because they had the skills competition on, they just left the volume on for this. And we all walk in and we're like, okay, whoa, like this is half over right now. You've got to shut it off. We yeah. all have it playing. Yeah. And the waiter to his credit is like, yeah, I don't know why we're playing it. I'm going to go take care of this. And within two minutes, he has it shut off. Within five minutes, it's back on. Somebody, oh. so clearly people who weren't PVRing it and had only been sitting there and watching them. This thing was polarizing that night. Like, <laughs> and then my wife calls me and she says, I didn't watch, I didn't get to watch the last 50 minutes. So we recorded the next day. Yeah. So my first thing was I said, I'm like, do you think that counts as like two downloads? Like mm. two, two views. I two mean, views. That's you recorded that's, it twice that's, for sure. That's helping it with the numbers. I gotta, gotta imagine. We all gotta play a role. Yeah. Everybody's weekend was revolving around this thing, I think. You'd think and it'd it, be the one weekend you get off from like following the Oilers stuff and just enjoy the skills competition. Uh, oh, no, I needed it. I did need the skills so, competition. I needed that documentary. It just it, it quenched a thirst. To go back to the beginning, on Monday, the trailer is released. And everybody, it was Monday, right? Yeah. The week before. And that comes out. Like, how did you receive it? How did you hear the news from it? What did you start feeling like? What was the windfall? Well, I think within like within half a day, it was reposted on 20 different sites between NHL.com, uh, Oilers.com. You guys posted a bunch about it. Um, Yahoo News. Like it was everywhere. So to see something that like you've had front of mind for about four or five months just blow up everywhere. It's kind of like, oh, I guess we're going now. Like, you know, it's it's it's, it's like you tough. walk out on stage when you're doing stand up and and it's like, well, now we're in it. There's no going back now. It's amazing, like, as a fan of documentaries, I had a buddy message me, did you see the documentary? And I'm like, ha, now you know the life I lead 52 weeks a year, bitch. There's always a good documentary. Which one are you talking about? The Royals? No, Connor? Like, you've now... I don't know of a documentary I've ever heard of in my lifetime that more people gave a shit about. Maybe the 30 for 30 on King's Ransom? 
Mm, that was a good one. Yeah, I don't even think one. that's on this level though, because this is just so recent, which is what yeah. I think makes it so compelling. And so and it's so shocking. We didn't mm. we didn't know the ending. We didn't or we didn't know, I guess, what the uh, what do you want to call it? Like the the climax of the thing was. We didn't know what the point of it was until we saw the trailer. Right. We didn't know that we didn't know everything and that it was this close to being this you know, dramatic of a life-changing injury for him. Yeah, well, it's, it's the behind the scenes. You know the end result. You know he came back. You know he scored that amazing goal against Vancouver, and now he's leading the league in points, and the Oilers are in second in the division going to the All-Star game. You know all those things. But how did we get to this point, yeah. right? Yeah. And, like, we're so spoiled with Connor in general that, like, seeing him score 100 points plus in a season doesn't really phase us. So now all of a sudden you see like what actually goes on behind the scenes to make that happen. And this was obviously an extenuating circumstance of a summer for him. That is, it just adds to the legacy and the legend. Well, and also showed how close we were to not having it at all this season. I don't want to think about it. Well, I don't want to think about it either, but that was the only thing that was getting me through that episode because I knew the outcome. Yeah. But I'm like, holy fucking shit. Like. What I'm, like, I'm sitting there, I'm like, well, what if he chooses to get the surgery? I'm like, no, you fucking dumbass. <laughs> like, I'm sitting there, I'm Which like... Which way is this going to go? I'm like, because I'm like, I, I was getting wrapped into it. I'm like, oh my God. But like, it just... That... It was a very moving documentary. So what you're saying is we should have made it a four-part series. And <laughs> tune in tomorrow to yeah. find out more. Will Connor play for the Oilers <laughs> this season? Trust Check me. out tomorrow. I was, I was feeling it because I was like, oh my God, what are you going to choose, Connor? And but like uh, like but then I could always go back to the fact that I knew what the outcome was. So like that's what I'm saying. Like it gave us that. It allows us to see behind the scenes. We didn't know how bad it was. You know, you could kind of speculate a little bit just because you weren't hearing anything. He wasn't going to BioSteel camp, and then when you saw him skate, he was kind of still yeah. like you could tell he was still kind of rehabbing, if you will. But uh, the fact that he went to the mall and played mini golf. Just like, like two days after God, maybe three days like, after Connor your balls are so big they can't even fit him in the deep sea adventure like <laughs> you know what I'm gonna do is go play some mini golf with the old lady that'll then you can see and, like, and doesn't even go upstairs to the one that's completely hidden you know the glow one Public. he goes into the one that's in the middle in the of the mall no low key disguise no wear a hood no mustache no, huge just, brace just here I am Edmonton brace. Yeah, brace. huge brace but even with his injury it was like remarkable that he's walking around even just with no crutches you know? yeah. Well, that brace supported him a lot. What it did was it held his knee in the proper position so that the tendons could try and re- reattach themselves. Um, it's an interesting injury. It's very different from an ACL tear or an MCL or, uh, or a meniscus tear. You know, it, 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 it is way more complex. Right? But is, is the PCL the only thing that you could try to re- I've never heard of letting tendons try to reattach. Yeah. Without I've, surgical. Now I've learned a term, surgical intervention. Yeah. <laughs> but it depends how severe the, the tear is, right? So if you have a strain, like a grade one strain of your of your uh, MCL, say, then you, you might try and do it non-surgically. But a full tear like he had is, like they said in the doc, like it's, it's unheard of. It's unprecedented. And, um, you know, couldn't have been done without bringing together that all-star team of, of medical professionals. And, you know, even the people like his agent and his manager who was just there every day, like trying to, uh, trying to make sure that his mindset was positive, that he wasn't alone, that he wasn't kind of ruminating on, on his career potentially being over. Am I going to be back to where I was before? Right? Like that's all, that's all the really important side of it as well. I think the whole team had quite the commitment to him, you know, where the the one guy, Mark Lindsay, is saying, I'm going to have to live with him. This is a 10-hour, seven-day-a-week job, and, you know, it has to be done right every day. And we don't totally know what we're doing, and hence why they had to go keep getting MRIs and seeing if what they were doing was working or if they had to, you know, pump the brakes on it a bit or 
you know, actually accelerate it. Yeah. And, and it's a risk too. Like you have to, you have to understand like doctors take calculated risks when they see a devastating situation that someone comes to them for help. They almost have to say like, do I want to put my reputation on the line? Like, do I want to be the guy that couldn't rehab Connor? Well, that, I like, that's what, what he said in the doc. He's yeah. like, I didn't want to be involved in this. Yeah. You know, I said, no way. At first, I just, right? like, that's nuts. But well, doctor, doctor, sorry, Dr. Lindsay is a guy that doesn't shy away from that. Like he's treated some of the top athletes and, and just most influential people in the world. He's treated Tiger Woods, Lindsey Vaughn, Peyton Manning, um, a couple of NBA players, Prince Harry, like this guy's done everything. That's everywhere. crazy. You know, and it always showed underneath where these doctors were, you know, usually from, like they said, the Queen University of the, is he out of Toronto? Like, is this, are, was this team based out of Toronto? Is that where he did the majority of this rehab? Yeah, exactly. So obviously Connor being from Newmarket, he goes back for the summer. Dr. Lindsay operates within the GTA, um, and so that's why he moved in and just, you know, knew that he had to keep him like psychologically engaged this rehab process and not let him just sit on the couch. Now what's, I'm a conspiracy guy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and I'm watching this and I'm like, miracle cure. I'm like, uh-huh. Willed his tendons together. Sure. Do you think at some point they were like, oh, all the regular doctors think this suck. Let's phone Putin and see where he would send his guy. They sent him somewhere and they just gave him like gene therapy or some crazy shit. Like, Connor, you're in the hyperbaric chamber for four hours a day. We've also given you a donation of KGB genetics. Like, do you think it's like, is this just he's the pioneer of rehab. So the kind of funny backstory to that is we were doing Donovan Bailey's documentary a couple years ago, and we actually interviewed Mark Lindsay because he's the one that uh, rehabbed Donovan's Achilles te uh, tear back in the day. And after the interview, we were just kind of shooting the shit about Edmonton and the Oilers. And he said he had, you know, done some work with Connor. And I was like, what makes him so special? Like what, what allows him? Like we, he's always got a mind for the game, but like physically, what is it? And he says, you know, Connor, just his physiology operates at a higher level than most people, just in his ability to repair, his ability to recover from an intense training uh, session. And also his, his gas tank seeming, seems to be unendless, like it's or endless rather. It's just, it just keeps going. And that's why he's able to be out on, on the ice uh, in overtime for four and a half minutes, you know, like you're playing 25 minutes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there is something physiologically special about him. Um, and you know, like for example, uh, the, the core movement specialist, Lisa Schlar, I think is how you pronounce it. She was telling us something, unfortunately it was off camera, but she was saying his, his femur is actually longer than most people's for of his size. Why wouldn't I be? knew it? <laughs> I, I knew looked it? at his femurs and thought they were long. Yeah. 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 So you were right about that. Oh, good. Got a yeah. good eye. Yeah. Um, and also his, his, the way his hips are positioned, he's got a little bit more of an inward stance, which allows him to get further, uh, or longer, uh, extension on his crossovers and his stride. So all these little things that kind of add up and you think like, you know, she told us something really interesting. She's got a few uh, NHL players with her, and and one of them comes, a famous one from uh, from uh, where's Max Domi play these days? Montreal, Montreal. Montreal. There we go. Yeah, he, uh, he goes to her and he says, you know, I want to get quicker on my crossovers. And she goes, well, first we got to do is lose that giant ass years and shrink your glutes mm -hmm. because no longer is it about being big and powerful. It's about being quick, explosive, kind of in and out, um, shifty. And so they worked on like not growing his glutes and actually trying to shrink them. And that allows him more flexibility in his crossovers. Cause like Connor's a toothpick. 
He's, he's thicker than you think. That was yeah. one of the yeah. things. Like I in, think about him being thick. That all was the one time. of the things. I'm like, how many the, C's? He, yeah, <laughs> Four. he literally made me think that I will never be like in really good shape because that guy was working ten hours a day, seven days a week. When he started doing like real strength, and he's like, he ain't shredded. You know, he's just. He's well, I don't know skinny. about his definition, but I just like he, he doesn't look like. It doesn't look like he has a lot of meat on his bones. Uh, again, like I, I thought that too, but when I met him in person, like he, he's just like his, his forearms are thick. He reminds me of like really? John, let's, John, let's John, slow that down here. I just want to keep, keep going. He reminds me of Jonathan Taves because <laughs> I met him back in like 08 or 09 and he doesn't look like a big guy, but you shake his hand. He's got giant mitts and big forearms. You're like, oh, like we're so used to seeing them with this gear and then like next to other big hulking players that they don't seem big, but like, no, Connor's like, he's got meat on his bones for sure. Well, that, that, that I'm, I'm happy to hear that because I need those bones protected. <laughs> Another yeah. thing that I thought was super cool about him and when you were talking about his physiology and just how he's like, he had to sit in that hyperbaric chamber for two hours a day. And in that time, he like took every chance he could to just do the small little things yeah. might've made a huge difference. When he was talking about how he was just tensing his quadricep, he would just do it for 10 seconds and then let it go for 10 seconds. And yeah. Like, I mean, I know- Imagine cre- thinking to do imagine, that for two hours. Imagine, I just, I couldn't. I mean, his, his level of commitment to these type of things is- you know, why he was able to do this, I think. Imagine the the stark difference of like how mundane that is compared to how exciting the rest of your life is. Like you're playing NHL games, you're practicing with the boys, you're off, you know, doing whatever you want because you've got a hundred million dollars in the summer. And then no, we're going to lock you in a tube and you have to for two hours, 10 seconds on, 10 seconds off. And yeah. that's why when like, you know, you can do this, I'm sure like maybe twice in your career if you have like major injuries, but like if he ever gets, if he, if anybody that's gone through this kind of process gets hurt again, that must flash in their mind. This summer, this is all I did. Mm-hmm. This was my life. I was trapped in these things. And that, getting over that mental hump right off the bat, that's gotta be like, that's that's why guys break down, I guarantee. You know, like you see Luke Keekley crying. He's probably thinking of all the stuff, you know, when you get hurt, what you have to go through to get back. Oh. I, say, I say the same thing about making films. If you know how hard a project is gonna be at the start, you probably wouldn't do it. That's <laughs> the same with every project. You go, this is yeah. gonna be easy. This is gonna be a lot of fun. And of course, a million unforeseen problems pop up and you just get through it. Now, speaking about, you know, being involved in making the project of, of this documentary, like this is Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid has a machine around him. How intense was that to be able to, to, to like being a part of, of of the process of telling that story? Like, what was that like? Because like that to me would just be scary because of all the eyes that would be on you. Well, and the, layers and everything. Yeah, I mean, the good news is you know it, his team, his management team, brought the documentary to our, our director Don Metz, and um, and Don Metz brought me on board, and our editor and co-producer uh, Pollyanna. Um, and so, really, like because we had the full support of Connor and his team on this project, we kind of had our in there. Like there was no pushing to try and get access. There was no, you know, like hey, we need to do this. Like, can we schedule it in and then don't get scheduled in? Like everyone kind of helped us. And of course, a guy like Connor too, like the Oilers felt right in line of like whatever you guys need. So like we needed to shoot in the dressing room for an hour, just shooting like mundane stuff with his gear up on the wall and like, you know, having the lights adjusted perfectly, which takes an hour. Like everyone was super helpful and like really, really made this project come together. Um, just in, in terms of like the process that went behind all of this, a lot of people, you know, they see the footage of him early on and, you know, him skating and all that. And they think, well, like the second he got hurt, there must've been film crews around him, but that wasn't necessarily the case, right? Like when did you guys kind of get involved? What was the process up to the point of you guys getting involved? Yeah. So I can't speak for his management team. Mm -hmm. I mean, the idea for the documentary might've kind of 
I, I'd say if I had to guess, it probably came together as as he got on the ice for that first time because they're like, all right, we don't have to worry so much about this that his career's over. And then it probably started percolating. When the idea came to our team, specifically Don, um, was in uh, the end of the preseason. So we had a camera there at the uh, first home game. And that's when we obviously caught Connor's goal there. But uh, then the process really didn't kick off until the end of October. And that's when we went out to Ontario and started interviewing some of these doctors that were involved, Dr. Lindsay, Dr. Masha, to really get like the understanding physiologically of like what happened so that we could use that to inform the questions for everyone else and, and kind of almost as you're interviewing a Zach Cassian or a Mike Smith, you can kind of poke them with like, oh, like this is what, how severe it was and this is what he went underwent and then they can reflect that back on their own career. So it's it's always a tricky thing when you're making a film to like decide what order to interview people in because you know every interview is going to inform further questions down the line for other people. Well, I think it worked great because like what, when like Gary Roberts tells a couple of things that just like sent chills down my back. You know what I mean? Like he was great in it and all the doctors were so like good at telling their portion of the story and the whole thing. When Gary Roberts was like, Connor skates too fast. This is your fault, Gary. You're <laughs> yeah. the one you've been training him <laughs> yeah. since he was 13. Yeah. If you hadn't done such a good job on wind sprints, maybe be two kilometers an hour slower when he goes flying into the net. And the stuff about Bobby Orr, like just saying that Bobby Orr said, people obviously often say, I'm the best skater that's ever lived. Well, this kid's going to be it. And when he was 15, when he was 15 yeah. years old. Bob, that's what Bobby Orr called. Uh, yeah, so but that's good. what you got to say though to get him as, as your client, right? Yeah. You're, yeah, exactly. you're, you're, or you're like, if I say this four times in 20 years. What are these little bastards? You know, if you're Bobby Orr, you don't have to kidding. say shit. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but what I'm does kidding. Bobby Orr do? He's an his agent. He's his agent. Yeah. He works for Jeff, the agency group. Jeff yeah. Wow, it's oh. all for or hockey. Yeah, yeah Wasserman oh, okay. or hockey are all Oh, I see. Okay, so Jeff Jackson is... Dr. Dre doesn't work with every rapper now. He just <laughs> works with the producers. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. I don't yeah. know the inner workings of their little company. To your point, like, I don't I don't understand the mechanics behind scouting a player that young. Like, I don't know how you... Because most people's development isn't linear, right? Like, you have some of the best players at 15 fade out into nothing and don't even get drafted and vice versa. So I don't know how you analyze a skating stride like Connor McDavid's and say he's going to continue that development into the NHL and be the best skater in the league. Yeah, that, that's insane. Um, just back to like the doctors, kind of how lucky were you guys that they all were like so well spoken and so willing to come on, or, or was there maybe some difficulty with that? Well, let me ask you this: If you had rehabbed the best hockey player <laughs> yeah. in the world, would you yeah. be excited to? Yeah, yourself? that's probably. Yeah. Yeah. It, would, it, would be, it would be a designation on my business card. Yeah, yeah. knowing that <laughs> knowing, knowing that the interviews were done so far after the fact of they're actually doing the rehab. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, the recollection is just obviously amazing, but yeah, like that's I interesting that's though. Like point. if you're a doctor and Connor McDavid gets brought in, like not on a gurney, but mm -hmm. like walks in, and you think like, oh fuck, yeah, the amount of scrutiny that's going. Oh. To, it's the scrutiny Connor lives with every day doing his job. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have for one patient once as a doctor. Yeah. Right. So that's that my, this question could be for everyone, but since we only got you here, how hard was it to keep everything a secret when you found out that this you guys, is what blows my mind. Yeah. It blows I couldn't my mind. be trusted. You son of a bitch. You knew you when you were on the show last time, you didn't even give us a nibble, a crumb of an idea. Tell them what you said before you, before we started recording that you found out literally like, Right yeah. before you came in here. Like, well, I was back, I was on the show back in October, 2019. And I think like that week, a day or two before I came on the show, I found out and I got um, asked to be on a part of this project. And it was killing me because, you know, I, I just know you guys love this team so much. But I, Would you? Yeah. I, I thought I, you know, I thought I might be better off focusing on all the other cool stuff I had done, knowing that like there's 
part two coming up. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, you, you I, telegraph, I telegraph this. You're you're legitimacy. Yeah, your yeah. legitimacy. Like you're almost too. Le- well, you're way too legitimate to be in the show. No, that's not. No, no, no. Uh, yeah. Is it like you're? Uh, you probably don't want to talk about this, but I don't care. It's our show, and there's no one <laughs> listening. Like your career, man. You're fucking killing it. Like getting documentary content to millennials is a su- difficult problem to solve for people. And if you look at all the streaming platforms and the proliferation of where you can get your content, mm-hmm. documentary content is exploding because it's like reasonably cheaper to make a documentary than Game of Thrones. Yeah. Like, do you sit back and go, things are going pretty fucking good over here these days. Like you're killing it, man. Yeah. You try not to sit back too much. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I think what I do is cool as fuck. Like I really enjoy it. Um, I've been super lucky just in the people that I've met along the way and the people that have given me opportunities. But like, I really think that if you bust your ass in something that you love, you're going to be successful. And, and that ultimately is kind of what I, what I attribute my success to in this working with the right people, getting the right opportunities and then just not fucking it up. So from a layman's perspective, what exactly is the role of an associate producer on something like Ooh, this? Good question. I'll listen to this. Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> That's good. So every project would be different. It depends how many producers you have, how big the team is, what, like, what's the scope of the project. A uh, smaller documentary, one producer might do every kind of producer role. But for this project specifically as an associate producer, I was brought on. I was the one that kind of did the estimated budget. I projected all that. Um, I, did, I was also the production manager. So I planned all the trips. Uh, lined up all the schedules, booked all the flights and the travel. Um, and then because we we're so fortunate to have such a collaborative team on a lot of this stuff, I had a little bit of um, uh, artistic input to it in terms of like, who might we interview or what some of the questions we might ask. So again, like this is really not typical as far as I know uh, for a lot of documentaries, but like when our director is done asking his questions, he'll go, anyone else, anyone did something come up in the, in the last hour that made you think of another question that I haven't asked. So I usually have a few, so I'll, I'll hop in the chair and then I'll ask a few more questions. Um, and again, I've only been on my cruise sets, but I don't think that happens very often. So I want to rewind this for posterity. The first project you worked on was which first documentary yeah, or first, first film sports project. documentary Let's making just, coco the grand fear story making coco then you did donovan bailey yeah the bailey experience and there was an mma one yeah so michael we're, bisping, we're in right? editing right now on uh bisbing the michael bisbing story whoa really yeah cool. i don't know who that is I'm i brought like, a oh, yeah, sweet. Yeah, yeah. i brought it i brought a trailer Fighter to show you guys England. after oh cool oh. yeah oh, were you involved in the uh danny trail one i was an executive producer on that so i didn't chunk him an ep yeah Hold on. the actor yeah, yeah. <laughs> Danny Trout. I'll show you the trailer for that. He too. doesn't know what to do. Oh, I see. I love that guy. Oh, so you've yeah. got, this is your fourth sports documentary in the can. That's correct. And we're in production on a new one on Phil Heath. Is this about oh, Connor and Lauren's baby that only yeah. you know about? Cause you can keep secrets. Mm. No, I can't <laughs> oh. or deny anything. Oh. oh, so you're not denying they're having a baby. There is, this will be some clickbait. I'm, headlines. I'm aware of zero babies. He's, if he's, I had an Instagram account, I'd get the word out. Connor's having a baby, but <laughs> no. I don't. And you're I can't think, engaged in Connor's having a baby. I think he's yeah. met Leonard the Labradoodle. Well, so if we're all done asking professional <laughs> whoa, questions, whoa, whoa. let's let's get our facts straight. Burn a doodle. Oh, yes. Burn a What did I say? Labradoodle. Oh, Labradoodle. Come on, very doodle. different. I have several questions regarding Charles. the intimate minutia of Connor McDavid. All right, I will try and answer them to my best of my ability. So let's you. ignore for the fact if I hacked your phone and tracked your GPS movements, chances are you've been to his house in the last ninety days, and I could reverse engineer where Connor lives. Let's just pretend I won't do that. If to one you. were so inclined. If uh, yes, having met Connor McDavid in a very difficult portion of his life. And there are people out there who'll be like, he didn't have a hard day as a hundred million dollars. Balderdash. Yeah. For a guy like Connor, the summer he went through is worse than any summer we've had not knowing all of our summers. Yep. Agreed. 
If somebody came in here today and said, well, I'd be like, your Instagram account got deleted, you can't do your job. Yeah, but I'm <laughs> uh, like, fine, otherwise. Yeah. Tell us like what you think about Connor now, having spent this much time with him. Like, what, what did you pick up as a result of this about him? You know, he he's a really intense guy. Like he's really focused. He's really like, um, attentive to the task at hand. Um, you can see that the, you know, the pressure of, of the market that he plays in his position as captain on the team, the contract that he has to live up to all these things like, you know, and not even speaking of to sponsorship obligations, like people think professional hockey players have an easy life, right? Like they think, Oh, you go to practice, you get your meals there. You go, you go play a game, you train, you travel first class. Like everyone thinks it's easy, but what they don't see is like every day off is like, okay, we got to go do this go auto thing. And then it's an Adidas thing. And then it's a bio steel thing. And, and then we've got to go sign, you know, a thousand jerseys or whatever whatever, whatever. Like it's just, it, it's never ending for the guy. So when they talk about like wanting to unwind, whether it's all-star break or whether it's the summer, you know, they genuinely mean it. Like they li- eat, sleep and breathe hockey during the season. Well, and um, Connor has since he was knee high to a grasshopper. Yeah, exactly. But what's really interesting is like, he didn't play a lot of summer hockey either. Like, uh, as a tot when he was at, when he was 10 years old, um, one of his teammates, parents asked his dad, uh, he said, I noticed Connor's not coming to the brick tournament in Edmonton. His dad said, Oh yeah. You know, we, we thought we'd give him a break. We got other things to do. He'll play enough hockey there down the road. <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> How did he know? But the, uh, the, the, the dad goes, uh, the other dad, he goes, um, well, you know, like we're, we talked to some people, we'll pay for Connor to come out. Connor's dad goes again, like, we've got things planned. Like, sorry. He goes, well, we'll pay for you and your wife to come out too. And that's when Connor's dad goes, look, we have money. We're fine. Like, it's not about the money. We genuinely have other things and we don't think Connor needs to be playing year round. Mm. And it's just like, it, it's, it's funny because we're in such an age of like pounding kids through these sports. It's nonstop specialization year round that like, you, you don't need to do that to be successful. Is he able to come home to the house that we won't say where he lives? Cause you know, we won't, but can he unplug? Or is he like permanently turned on and he's like Obama, goes to bed Obama, sleeps Obama, wakes up Obama, there's only Obama. No, no, he definitely he definitely chills That's what out. Leonard's for. Yeah, exactly. I mean yeah. you've got a you've got a six month old puppy, you live with your girlfriend, like you know, you do other normal things. Like you said earlier, he's at West Edmonton Mall playing mini golf. You yeah. know, it's like he surprisingly like I'm surprised how normal he can be okay his stature right and you know granted like keep in mind like when we saw him when we spent time with him like we're still there with a camera like it's not like I was over at his house for dinner and we're just chilling out you probably have but we don't have to talk about that right now because we got <laughs> three secrets. Three. yeah exactly. I did actually I did have a dinner <gasps> with him at my dad's house um, the night he signed his his contract what and I was, did he tip your somebody standing around because he felt oh, oh, okay. oh boy start swinging if you guys uh, Oh. Stop breaking my equipment. Yeah, I it's fucked stuck things on up my shoe. Later. Sorry, you I'm were with him the night he signed a hundred million dollar contract. It took everything in me not to like ask him like, hold, what hold was on, going to happen. How night. did this come to, to come to be? How did I, how, I, did you end up with him? Because he's night? a goddamn boss. No, Charlie, don't that, embarrass he us. He's a producer. He's the guy. Documentary. You don't want to know the exact re, the exact nope. reason he was. I don't. I just happened to be at a place having dinner when he came. Just walking by and yeah. said, "Hey, I'm gonna invite myself yeah. in." Yeah. Oh, Did someone say you, dinner. Yeah, All right, okay. I'm in. Yeah, so just hold so your horses. A restaurant. Out. I thought he said he was having. He dinner did. At We're his trying dad's. to press him for information, Charles. I'll tell you when you're older. Don't worry. <laughs> so, ignoring the year with him on the hundred million dollar. Well, maybe that's a good time to compare. That's arguably one of the high points of yeah. his life. Yeah. And then you were with him during one of the. I suppose he already knew he's not out of the game. Yeah. Like yeah. Is he remarkably consistent through those highs and lows? 
Well, yeah, I'd say so. Like he, he, he's polite. He's, uh, he's well-spoken. He's engaging when you engage him. Like there, you know, there's not, there's not anything out of the ordinary. With him. You so go for dinner with me, Chalmers, when I sign a hundred million dollar contract, I have a stack of hundreds beside me at the table and I just slap people for no reason during the, de- the meal. Do you apologize like, with a hundred dollar no, bill? throw money at him. I go, bitch, there's where that came from. Well, Here you go. It seems like Connor has the perspective that his parents had as a young kid with him, you know, like mm-hmm. just the perspective of everyday life. You just got to be respectful and like, yeah. and understand that you're amazing. But yeah. Keep in mind too, like you get used to, you acclimatize the situation, yeah. right? Like, oh, yeah. like yeah. you're making a hundred million dollars, like that becomes the new normal and you don't think every day, I can't believe I'm making a hundred million dollars. You I probably would, should. I but, would argue uh, that's, it's the normalization to it that ultimately fucked you over. Yeah. Yeah. Is it when you're like, I do have a hundred million dollars anyways. And then you're like on to the next thing, but you haven't necessarily like, look at Alan Iverson. Yeah. Had he sat down and processed, like I have a hundred million dollars, especially getting it all in one shot every July. Like yeah. that's gotta be, it's not even measured out throughout the year. It's like every July you get a check for 12 million gross. Like how do you not lose touch with, with reality being that rich? Maybe all that mundane stuff that you talked about earlier. Maybe that's what keeps them grounded. Maybe it's like, I was watching the the Justin Bieber documentary just came out seasons. Mm -hmm. It's like 10 minute increments on YouTube. Mm -hmm. I watched two documentaries this week. Well, actually like 20, but that's fine. And they talked about how, when he wanted to get out of, being on sabbatical, we'll call it. He called up his one agent and she's like, oh, you want to work again? And then I just rolled him out his schedule. It's like, mm-hmm. here's your vocal coach time. Here's wow. your this time. Here's your that time. Yeah. And he went from not being busy to busy. Yeah. But he doesn't necessarily have the same team around him that it sounds like a Connor has, right? I, I think I think what it comes down to is for Connor, hockey and winning is the number one priority. I think, yeah, even though you've got all that money, like it doesn't really change anything because your mm-hmm. goals are still to yeah. win the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Right. And when the art Ross and the heart and all those other things, but and number one, the Masterson this yeah, year, right. Well, oh, if, better. if this documentary can play a small part in that. I'll oh, fuck it. It, um, it. it has. Oh and, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, it will. I I'll shout that out when he wins it. You, you mentioned uh, like his, his drive for winning. I felt like that was something his dad even shared. Cause mm-hmm. in one of the first quotes from his dad after the injury was like, well, there's only so many years where you can be at your best and win Stanley cups. His dad says winning Stanley cups. Oh. What, what did you think of like getting a chance to meet and interact with his parents? What were your impressions of them? So Good it's question. Funny, it's funny. Cause I, I, the first time <laughs> I was like, uh, I know <laughs> the, the first time I met Brian, um, I was working on a good life downtown and he just happened to be there and I'd never met him before, but I recognized him from TV. So I kind of like walked up and I'm like, you Connor's dad. And he's like, yeah, I'm like, Oh cool. I'm uh, releasing a doc in Toronto uh, in the next couple months about Grant fear. Like you guys should come. And so we just talked in the, the Oilers. Who has the of presence of mind to walk up to Mr. McDavid? This is why you're too legit for this show. Yeah. No, I just had a reason to be there. And that's all right. Like just like trying to get but him the down to the show. to go up to yeah. McDavid's dad and invite him to an event. I'd be texting Jay like, look at this blurry picture of Connor's dad's <laughs> ankle I took. But here's the funny thing. So three years later, whatever, two years later, I, I meet him uh, in Toronto doing the interview with him and his wife. And uh, he looks at me when I introduce myself and I'm like, we met. But like he gave me that look like, have we met before? I'm like, we met before one time in Edmonton good life he's like oh that's right yeah yeah you did the, <laughs> the documentary on grand fury and i was like Jeez. that's right i sure did wow. um, amazing recall Touch points with the mcdavid family he's an intense guy like brian is like not intense like scary but he's very like directed 
Like, and he's very like thoughtful and, and, and precise with what, what what's he's directed saying. mean? What do you mean? Like, he's just like, he has a mission. He's there for a reason. And he delivers on, on that, whatever that goal or that objective is. Like there's one line that sticks out to me that he goes, uh, to say Connor was distraught is the best way I can put it. And even then it's still under described to like throw together that phrase to me is like so impactful. Cause it's like under who calls something they said under described. Like that's, yeah. it was just very eloquent, but I just remember thinking like this guy's legit. What, what does Mr. McDavid do? I don't know that. Exactly. Now probably nothing. He <laughs> no, just no, no, watches no. his investment pay off. He still works. He still works and he, he's successful at whatever he's probably, he does. Yeah, he strikes strikes whatever he does. He I just don't know what it is. Yeah. 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 He but he's the best his, at it. Yeah. <laughs> he's the best at Guaranteed. it. Guaranteed. So I got a question about the life of this doctor. Documentary. Now right. that it's been on Sportsnet, yeah. it's obviously been Friday night, Saturday night. What is the future for it? Like, where, where, if somebody wanted to get it on demand, so type of thing? it's going to be on Sportsnet twice more. Um, and I'm just going to pull up the dates here so I get them right. Uh, Tuesday, February 4th um, at 6 p.m., going into the Edmonton, Arizona game. And then again, Wednesday, February 19th on Sportsnet at 5 p.m., leading into the Bruins at Oilers game. Very good. And then it is going to be in the U.S. nationwide on NBC February 18th. Oh, shit. Whoa, really? Nice. Yeah. NBC or NBC Sports? Is it like the big dog NBC? NBC Sports. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Way to crush my Yeah, dreams. way to diminish that. <laughs> yeah. I wow. just need for the But sake. we can't talk about that other thing. No, we won't. Ah, okay. Oh, we won't. whoa. Uh, but there, but there's whoa. another thing. <laughs> Keep you. Tune in next time. Yeah, tune oh, in. Oh, God. But it's going to be on NBC. You like, don't being up. directed. You Jeez. pull your mask off, your cam, McDavid. Why do you think I did? that documentary you guys should have showed up to the podcast earlier off the record baby we yeah. were indisposed we we're busy at an oodle noodle meeting which just happens to be now a new sponsor, a sponsor of, of the nation podcast. real life yeah. it is we did it we were able to convince ourselves you closed yourselves we closed yeah. ourselves cool. here was the speech chalmers we're sitting at an oodle noodle marketing meeting and they're like can anyone think of ways to market oodle noodle and jay and i are sitting there does anybody have an idea for how to promote Oodle Noodle more? <laughs> Wanya, what are you doing? I got to go to a meeting later on because I got to find advertisers for our podcast. Do you think maybe A plus B equals C? And then it counts as both. We did Oodle Noodle marketing work and we found a podcast sponsor. That's a good day, eh, boys? Bingo, bango, bongo. That's Please remove unreal. my real do government guess, name. Do you guests get yes. free vouchers? Of course. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll not superstar guests that are bloody flying so all around. two exciting things in the world of Oodle Noodle that are happening. We're about to launch deep fried wontons, wow. and I, I did I did the product what sample. What sauce are you going to be dipping them in? It's with our green onion cake sauce. What does that mean? Uh, um, it's, it's like a sweet sour sauce. It's like a chili. You know what? They don't. They're fucking so good. Like legit. Yeah, I don't like, dip them much. I, I, I'm, I'm such a good brand ambassador. I'm swearing about. Uh, yeah, about it's authentic uh, though. As the Oodle Noodle marketing <laughs> yeah. manager, continue. I like it. It but speaks to our audience. Honestly, we did we did we did the sampling over yesterday, and I was like, oh my god, okay. They, like, why haven't we done these for like nine years? So those are coming out right away. So stay tuned. And also, we're opening. What was that? That's number two. That's that's for effect because we're about to open the Terwilliger location. Yes, Terwilliger. Wow, we had a chime you didn't hear. Finally, the South Siders. Yeah, yeah. So we did it. So we'll be able to deliver to the South all you Terwilliger towners and McGrathers and and whatnot. It's we're a gonna lot be of us. bringing the heat. Starting next week, but we're doing the soft opening this week, which I probably shouldn't publicly announce, but whatever. No one's listening. I Who like cares? it. When's this going? When are you releasing this? 
tomorrow. Oh, tonight. Fuck. Tonight. We don't have good secrets like you do. Like if yeah. somebody drove by the Terwilliger <laughs> store right now, they'd be like, I think that's a noodle noodle because it says oodle noodle on it. And they I, keep driving. I have it post on Twitter. Yeah. I don't know what other secrets you have. It's very interesting. And we'll be introducing, introducing everyone to the world, uh, everyone in the world to Carl. Oh, Carl. Our newest employee. Our Anyways, newest. that's... That's oh, a little congrats, Carl. Don't worry, Chalmers. Lots we, of fun stuff. Oh, yeah. Anyways, before we continue with the documentary talk, we need oh. to give some love to our good friends at Japa, who are also ads. a sponsor of the show. As pipeline work kicks off in Alberta, Japa Machinery Group has new and used 36 and 47 ton excavators available for rent and purchase to complement your existing fleet's XE470s. They'd look good on your site. They might look good, and we couldn't fit one in the basement, but you know, maybe we get like a little model one. We can make a new basement with one, I'll tell you that much. Darren Wright, we could. We probably probably get our Instagram account back with it. Oh. Drive that down to San Francisco up to Instagram headquarters. They'll give it back. Jabba has the service trucks available to assist on any repairs or winter maintenance your machines might need in the field. Or if you need any ice lugging or tarping, bring your equipment to their shop out in Atchison. Love Jabba. I was talking to uh, Sean Green this weekend over uh, ice fishing. It was a good time. It was a great time. What a great day. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the the Jabba crew, the Jabba team, they're humming. Business he, is good. He loves his heavy machinery. He, oh, he, he, even he just drill, machinery. he was drilling way too many holes oh. with his, <laughs> with his fucking the, gas powered the auger. auger. Oh, my oh God. he was yeah, he was he was a little trigger happy on the holding. But but to be fair on that one that he did dig, the extra one, yeah. he was instructed by someone he, we He drilled let's just tell so uh, we were having a we were having a fire on have the you ice. Fished? Yeah, right. No, never. So really? I've seen pictures of it. Ah. So we were having a fire on the ice. Well what happens is the fire starts to melt the ice and you get a little pool of water. So so the geniuses around us decided to take a handheld auger and make little tiny holes, like displacement holes, right? Yeah. That and just be, shovel and the then, water into it. And then it. shovel the water into right. it. Surgical water intervention. Goes away. It was a well, surgical intervention, yes. <laughs> Sean went and grabbed the uh, gas-powered one and came over to the fire, put it right beside the fire, drilled a full one, all the way down, full <laughs> yeah. depth. When that happens, the water all just The levee's broken. It, put, <laughs> it was just drenched. The fire got cold. We had to go inside. We also and did our, our our friend Fugi, who we might introduce on the show one day oh, uh, as a guest, a, a good treat. friend. This guy is the most Albertan guy you'll ever meet. He's he made got all these. He's got he's made oh, these yeah. tables oh, for yeah. us. He's got a, a Canadian flag on one shoulder and an Alberta flag on the other shoulder. So he lives in a flames jersey. He's a he's a walking flames oh, jersey. Wow, wax, wax it guy or what? Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> he's not that hardcore. He's got a good heart. No, great heart. But this guy loves fire. He's he's almost burnt his hat house down numerous times. He's yep. had the fire department. They 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 basically he they, loves fire, but he's reckless with it. He's well exactly because he likes to go big. Yes, so as most pyros are. So oh, he's pyro. So for this ice fishing trip, he's like, I've got a surprise for you guys. We're like, what? Okay, and so everyone's like naming all these like fire things. And <laughs> are you making a Connor McDavid documentary? That's the only fire. All of a sudden, this is the 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 gifts of what he's going to do or rolling through the group chat, and then so all of a sudden he shows up and he's got a Christmas tree. His dried out Christmas tree. His dried out tree. Christmas tree. He's been drying out waiting for this. Uh-huh. And he's uh-huh. got it on this wood base. Oh, yeah. A two and, by ten. And the plan is he's going to get all these rags, douse them with gasoline, and put them into the, into the, into the tree. And then he's going to light this spear on fire and throw it at the tree. Like an Olympics it. opening. Yes. Oh, yeah. Wow. Like yes. Burning Man. The Holy one thing shit. you need to know about Mikey is he is so excited. So I can't like, throw a spear and, for shit. Well, probably. But, but, but he's been he's been up since 5 a.m. Setting this thing up. Counting the everything. Seconds to when he can chuck this spear <laughs> at this tree, like he, when can we, when can we start the fire? We're like, and it's we, daylight. and it's we like, tell him, <laughs> yeah, you can't do it until five. Yeah, and 
I mean, he's getting consistently more into his Lubricated, cups. yeah. Um, more so he into start, his So cups. he's starting practicing the spearing. It's not going well. Every every hour, half hour that goes by, it's, it's worse. just, it's getting worse. And uh, so finally, he just straight up does it. He did, he did it. He just goes he and took all this it. gas. So he, he got a little bit less surgical because he just dumped gas on the tree and then chucked this spear at it. But it was actually amazing. And we've got the video and we'll, maybe we should, maybe we should, I don't know how long it is, but maybe you could post it's it on about, social. Well, 15 seconds of actual oh, fire. Gee, that'd be great. It's Where actually, would we post it? Yeah, if, if we, we had, had any Instagram social media. Well, I'll have to put it on the, the fledgling one, Nation Real Life. The worst. I know. Yeah, no, this is a way to build it up. Come to Nation Real Life and we'll start doing Oilers Nation stuff on it. Chalmers, I've been trying to build up the re- Instagram for real life. I'm not saying me. I'm saying you guys. You, yeah, asked, you won't even put a comment on the photos. <laughs> and now all of a sudden you're Johnny Social Media Group. I mean, I have ideas. I'm going to DM man. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not the one that's going to be putting the Sorry, comments. Sorry, we, we digress. But yeah. Job Machinery Group. Yeah, that was a really long ad read for Jappa. Or whichever ad we just mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Go there. Uh, sure. Bills um, are paid. Question for you. All right. Oh. Yes. Good to go back to our guest because that's the reason well, we're of recording course. this. But, but this is, yeah, well, of course. I like hearing and, about anyone who's passionate about something as much as this guy is about fire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you, you got to meet this guy. He's truly a legend. Um, is It's a Connor McDavid question. Like, you, you said he was intense, like he's intense and, and his parents portray him as intense and, and whatnot. But like, was, was he, invo- did he get involved in this at all? Or was he just like, I'm here to answer questions and that like what did was he was he want did he want to be involved in the process at all? He, he had a lot of shit going on, you know, like yeah, I know. Was there in a dog fight for a divisional spot. No, he uh, he he trusts like we showed him a couple of the interviews along the way. Like we showed him his and his his girlfriends and a couple of doctors. And then we showed him a rough cut and just to make sure we're and that's what we do with all our subjects is is make sure that we're on the right track. Yeah. And there's no like major things that need to structurally be changed. Of course, there's going to be notes and, you know, the music's not the right music. And, and the the transitions aren't aren't smooth, and you know there's all this crap. Um, but yeah, he he kind of he just kind of dropped in for a couple of the major key points along the way. But like, yeah, he had too much stuff going on. But, but like, uh, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean like was he like behind the camera and doing so like, but like was he involved in like having a say on on like what was showing and what wasn't? Like, I wanted to know like because because obviously I think he would be a guy that wanted to protect his own image and make sure he's portrayed properly. Like I would assume he's that type of guy. His biggest concern with it was not so much making it to be this like, like, big puff piece about him right it was more about like the dot for him it was more about the doctors and what they were able to accomplish and hopefully like setting up a structure and a model for like that type of rehabilitative process going forward right like this is i've got messages from a few like people high up in like the sporting world or medical world being like this is really groundbreaking to see that someone can rehab this type of injury with this type of treatment um it, it really makes us rethink our whole sort of uh mindset around around whether we go surgical or not yeah right all it's going to happen is a generation of people are going to hear from their doctor you're no Connor McDavid (laughs) some people can will themselves back to whole you aren't that guy but keep in mind doctors get paid per surgery right so yeah, well, especially in the states, right? So yeah. for them to say no, you don't need surgery is taking money out of their pocketbook. But and that's what that's something that pocket struck book. me. What's a pocketbook? That's some people still use pocketbooks. People call wallets. <laughs> um, got a pocket what watch. Me was just like, no matter how many times you can see an industry, like an injury in a body, these things are never the same. And you can go to three different doctors. He, you know, just like the guy in L.A. agrees with doctor number two of exactly what it is, but says surgery is risky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where. He, like, in his mind right now, he's thinking surgery might be the only way, right? And that must just be like, holy shit, like, I'm talking to the people that know this the best 
and I'm getting different opinions as to what to do. I'm 22 years old and I have to make this decision, like he says, in 24 hours. Yeah, it's terrible. That's unbelievable. Wouldn't so to tell, to tell the story of the doctors that actually go through the recovery with them, the core specialist, like the, the chiropractor and soft tissue guy, Mark Lindsay, like mm -hmm. that's, it, those guys are truly the heroes, even though he is the one that had to put in the work to make it happen. So yeah, I can absolutely. see why you'd want to do that. It's a super comprehensive uh, team of people working together, right? Like you have not only the doctors, but then you've got, like you said, core movement specialists. You've got Gary Roberts in there. You've got the figure skater, Tracy Wilson. You've got Lawson Hammer, the gymnastics specialist. You've got Adrian Valaka, the head trainer at Gary Roberts uh, Sport and high performance center, whatever it is. A lot of people working together to make sure that they're not agitating someone else's um, position or making sure that what they do doesn't impact negatively his knee or, or what they other people plan to do with it. There's a lot of moving parts with this. I, I think on, I think, well, so, sorry, I'm trying for jumping in. I think we need to send a million thank you cards to all those to doctors. Doctor number yeah. three. Good yeah. Call. yeah, the doctor, one in LA. Doctor number three. The Good third call. opinion was the only one to suggest rehab. And yeah. that was the guy that, that Jeff Jackson set up. They weren't like, it was just, they didn't have to go do that. Yeah. We, we've been sending thank you cards to the Flames for uh, anytime, James Neal. Anytime and, James Neal <laughs> scores, he gets in. And now it's the point where well. they send stickers back to people that are sending them the mail, which actually credit the Flames for playing yeah, along. Play along. Maybe yeah. we got to switch our letter writing over to thanking Connor's doctor. Yeah. I think you guys did such a good job of telling the story in the small little nuanced parts that I noticed, which was like just saying when he went to the course specialist that they didn't want to just like shock his body and that now that Mark Lindsay decided that it was a time to take care of everything that had been going on in his body yeah. you know not just focus on this knee but let's get a protocol together that's going to take care of any hip motions or any hip movements that he's had like the fact that you guys just got all that information mm. that stuff like it was just it was non-stop watching it yeah. and seeing these little things that just I don't know I was gripped I watched it three times it's Gemini worthy yeah, it is not. Is that a music award though? Oh no, it's the Junos. Yeah. I was right with Junos. No, no, Gemini, oh, you're you're bang on. no, well done. Yes. The uh, you know, a lot of credit goes to the people we interviewed, obviously, for being able to talk like so candidly. And the important thing with all of them was saying, look, like just so you know, like this is owned by Connor, this project, and and he will vet and his team will vet everything that you say. So like be transparent, be as honest as you can with what you did. And if there's anything compromising, we we can cut it out down the line. Was yeah. there anybody that you wanted in the documentary that you sought out that didn't participate in it because of a reason that maybe they didn't want to or something? No, everyone we wanted to ultimately the team decided to have in it. Uh, we had, I suggested along with uh, Pollyanna, our editor and co-producer, I was like, let's go big with this thing. Like, let's talk to athletes in other major sports that have had potentially career threatening injuries. Adrian um, Peterson would have been Adrian. One. He was on my list. Adrian Peterson, yeah. Tiger Woods, Lindsey Vaughn, Peyton Manning. Cool. Those, those were my Tiger top. Woods was on your list of people you want to talk those to. Those were my top four. And like, Golly. like, I, you know, we've interviewed a lot of these, uh, you know, top athletes and, when, and business people. So I thought like, why not? Let's go for them. Yeah. When you tell them you're doing a documentary about Connor McDavid like it's not just like you're doing something on knee like you're doing something and they might want to maybe they haven't had a documentary done about it I was crazily impressed with how AP came through that one back yeah. in the day so well and like the producer in me thinks like okay hockey's not that big in the states so let's add a crossover appeal yeah let's add let's add an athlete totally. or a couple athletes in there that like people in the states really well around the world really really care about and like yes they may not know Connor but to speak of that like 
athlete mindset and the pressure that that you're under and and you know potentially facing your career being different or over i thought was really valuable but ultimately like we didn't want to distill the message of it being about connor and his doctors this is so well thought out they're gonna let you make the new avatar if you don't watch yourself. <laughs> you got this shit going on you got nine years to do it i have no interest in going into scripted work at this point yeah I'll do the documentary of making Avatar, but <laughs> uh, one last thing about just the way that you guys made it and like the decision to, um, this kind of comes into the fact that we have a battle of Alberta coming tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, I was going like, to say, what about the documentary the fact, on Wednesday night? Yeah. The fact that like you, you know, Mike Smith is right there and now you have that access to him, mm -hmm. him being one of Connor's teammates and friends at this point. And like, you know, you got Cassian who was the first person on site. Right. And you get like Giordano just to, you know, I, I my heart like kind of, my wife and I were both like feeling really bad for Giordano. Do not feel bad for Giordano. Dude, he, Fuck that guy. He did nah. not mean. To, he did not mean to do that. No. And it's why Cassian didn't even touch Maybe him. Maybe you shouldn't sign though. with the Flames, Gio, in the second know, half man. of your career. Maybe it you is, should go to a better team. So I'll tell you. I'll tell you what Cassian said that did make it into the film, and which oh, is really this is interesting. Exactly right. Right. So so he's he's coming down like you know behind Connor because Connor's the fastest person on the planet. Yeah. Um, but he saw Connor go down. He saw Gio trip him and. Uh, his mind, he was he was conflicted at first. He was like, "Do I jump Giordano? Do I go make sure Connor's all right?" Like he didn't know what to do at first because it was a hockey play, right? But he kind of he said his gut instinct was that it wasn't dirty based on who it was, and so that's why he went straight to Connor versus like creating a, a hmm. brawl, right? Reg Man, I wish someone. you would have said that on the documentary. Now, will he be creating a brawl tomorrow night? <laughs> yeah. No inside information on <laughs> no, that. No, but I, I, I sure hope so. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just now I'm talking yeah. to Shane, the, the Oilers fan. The Oilers fan. Well, I think like he kind of telegraphed what he's going to do, right? By saying that, okay, it's good. I didn't know those types of hits were legal, but now I do. Right? Like that's what he said. And, and so, you know, I don't, I don't think we should encourage those types of hits that Kachuk put on Cassian. But, you know, how can you fault him for doing that? Now, if he delivers a hit like that on someone not named Kachuk, Milan Lucic, Zach Ronaldo, or Buddy Franklin, uh, he's going to get suspended. Potentially. Yeah. Which, that's the double standard that drives me up the fucking yeah. wall. So, I don't know if you guys watch the skills competition. Um, no no love for my Buddy Franklin reference? I, I like that. that I was, oh. was going to make a mention of it. For all our Australian listeners, yeah, will love that I one. I didn't know who you were referring to. That's well, who is it? Also, Buddy Anderson. It's some guy they called up some six-foot-six donkey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but okay. also, to that to that point, like you have to ask yourself, is Cassian the guy that's going to premeditatedly, if that's even a word, um, try, and, <laughs> try and deliver that hit? Like He had that one that Flames fans were posting on the San Jose Sharks in the playoffs where he just dummied a guy kind of coming coming at the bottom of the circle turning oh, up great. the ice great hit but that was like in the moment that wasn't a predatory hit like no, Cassian yeah. doesn't seem like the type of guy nowadays that's finishing now that clean. as a finishing ch yep. check on an uncontended puck carrier yeah exactly so like yes so no i don't think he's gonna throw a predatory hit like is he gonna if a hit presents itself yeah for he's, sure he's gonna go he's, for it. well the premeditation is is he's gonna be looking for it yep. so in the skills back to this did yeah. you guys see when they were sitting when mcdavid was sitting on the bench uh, like on the actual boards Kachuk was on one side and Dreisaitl was on the other. And the way I experienced this conversation going was Dreisaitl, all, it was only showing Kachuk talking. You're Dreis a wicked lip reader, by the Dreis way, so I believe whatever you're saying. So I couldn't tell what they were saying, but I could tell body language. Dreisaitl wanted nothing to do with it. But McDavid was listening, commenting, 
but rolling his eyes. To like, talking? Yeah. Oh. And so that's this is how an incredible I witnessed breakdown this. for that's somebody who didn't I, see this. That's how I witnessed it. Yeah. And so I witnessed like. So Kachuk's blabbing I, away about whatever like, he's trying I, to I say. I think he's trying to justify himself. Like, yeah. you know, like I'm just, you know, like I'm just a card player. And Connor's like, yeah, but you fucking like, you know, this bullshit. And you know, you're bo- it's bullshit, right? Like, you know what you're saying is bullshit. And you know, you're going to have to stand up for the bell and just answer the bell or something. Like, and rolling his eyes and just like having no part of it. And Dry said, will just kind of give him that stare. Anybody else see this or is that just me? You're doing an awesome job. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see it, but that would be incredible if that was the actual. It was. I would I love so. that. It was I don't doubt it. He yeah. watches. He knows. I How do. funny is Drysaddle, by the way, telling oh, the fuck you to Kachuk after after yeah. he gave him that assist, and then kind of laughing about it, like, "Oh, we're just having fun." And then I don't know if you guys saw, but after uh, after the Edmonton um, the uh, mall skate the other day, he gets asked. One of the media goes, "Hey, have you ever been to the mall before?" Oh, and yeah, he looks yeah, at him. Yeah. He's like, "I've been here six years," and kind of looks at him. He's like, "Yeah, I've been to the mall." Like, but idiot. his tone like changed. He looked. Yeah, because you're right. He was like, "What the fuck?" And then his tone changed. He's like, "Oh, media." Yeah, yeah, the mall's great. Yeah. And then he like goes into like his first answer. But his hilarious. real personality yeah. shone through in that second. And like, I I met Leon at Connor's house one of these times. And what? He, he's super engaging. Like he Jesus he's an awesome. He made me an even bigger dry sidle fan. Uh, I already was based on the way he plays. Well, so he's like, a good dude. What having met him in person, he's just very engaging and like uh, asks you questions oh. and like doesn't just answer the questions that you ask. They've, him, they've, right? they've. I think that they Germans. They're better friends than I think they. We can tell. I mean, as somebody who doesn't know the ins and outs of it, but like they went on vacation together to Aspen. Well, yeah, just along over with this, along with a couple others, yeah, which was nice but, to see. But they're always you know, that big ass in PJ in my favorite videos that you guys got was from the tunnel mm-hmm. him going into the tunnel when he says I broke down and they take his helmet off and mm-hmm. I just fucking would have done anything to have had a camera on the other side to see his face right that but then when he's back out yeah. and he's on his crutches and he's on his phone and dry side just like walks around the corner just like rubs Rub his head kind of yeah. puts his head next to his that's one of my favorite shots uh, that's in the whole my, dog, that right? is one of my favorite yeah. and then the awkward guy that walks after who doesn't know like, yeah. yeah who was that by the way i have no idea one of the assistant coaches yeah, something like that um you, you mentioned that tunnel footage before we started filming that uh that was an interesting little process to get that right yeah so we were down in calgary uh must be three weeks ago a month ago uh doing the interview with giordano and um their PR guy was around. And so we just kind of asked him, like our director has a good relationship. And he said, Hey, like you guys don't have any cameras in this hallway. Do you? And he goes, yeah, we've got a security camera there that shoots down the hallway. And he says, could we get that footage of that night, April 6th? And he goes, yeah, I think I could probably, he goes, just keep in mind, like when your guys' arena flooded and you lost all your archival footage, I helped you out getting that back. Right. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, you did. Okay. We'll track the footage down. Ah, yeah, so it, it's it's an interesting thing. Hold how on, when the together. Flames Arena flooded, we helped them. Our, Don Metz did. Director, this is yeah, bullshit. John. I'd be like, fuck you. Nobody wants to see all your terrible highlights uh, anyways. But karma came sad. around. Karma came around. Gotta that, put that good juju true, out there. True. But not the dividends. flames. Yeah. I mean, we went to the trouble of flooding their city and they, they still haven't figured it out. We dynamited that dam upstream and everything. Let's be like the hockey gentlemen and let's keep it on the ice, you know? Yeah. Help each other out. Chalmers, if I owned an NHL team, I would hire the vice director of the KGB and I would say destabilize all the players. They get it because they get it. We don't get it. get it. We're sitting around here trying to figure out what to do. Meanwhile, they're building host- our hospitals in China in four hours. Is this called the Russians get it? Anywho, I'd be like, please find Which out is- everything about the other players and tell their secrets online. Oh so they go God. into games being like, damn, my girlfriend's going to leave me. Someone hacked my DMs. Next thing you know, 7-2 Oilers. Uh, the last documentary-related question I had for you, it's in line with the Calgary stuff. 
But how, how kind of, I don't know if lucky is the right word, but Giordano was, seemed like really open to like coming on and sharing his side of things. Mm-hmm. Kind of how nice was that to sort of round things out, just to have his kind of voice and opinion and all this? Yeah, I mean, like you saw his interview after and he clearly didn't mean to hurt Connor. Did he mean to take him down and get the puck away? Of course. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's like Nick Kiprios taking out uh, Pronger onto Fury or Pronger taking Kiprios out, rather. It's it's a hockey play. Like you meant to like get in his grill, you meant to rough, you know, rattle him a bit, but you don't mean to hurt a guy. No one ever wants to see someone go down like that because mm-hmm. it's bad for the game in general. And Gio, I hate to admit it, is reasonable. Yeah, he's How dare you? How dare you? He's one of the, the solid I just guys. sort of trailed off into gibberish. You'll note. He's sort of a, well... Uh, yeah. He's okay. No, 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 I never no. said that. Okay, whatever. You know, he's a shit against me. You know, and like, what, what would you do in that position? Like, yeah. Every one of us, uh, if we were blessed with that kind of skill that Gio had and we're yeah. in that exact same, you would have done the same thing, right? And there's haters. I'm sure players have beef with each other and hate on each other, but I can't imagine there's a player earning money in professional hockey that doesn't think Connor McDavid is good for everybody. Right, exactly. Oh, yeah. I, I just want to, like, recognize how hard he was trying in that game. Did you see it? Like, so oh, in the yeah. dock, before he goes down and hits the post, do you see all the highlights him almost scoring yeah. in the last game of the season? When the season's written five off. goals that yeah. game. Oh, I know. It was unbelievable. And I was like, that's right. I forgot. Like, before the injury, he was on fire. Yeah. Was like hard. Bob Nicholson just saying, like, we already had a bad season. Like, yeah. it couldn't get much worse. Yeah. And, well, guess fucking what? It just did. That is the worst <laughs> thing that could have happened. Yeah. We gotta Literally be careful. I don't thing. want to speak into existence all the bad road we could have gone yeah, down. Yeah, it's not no, even, it's, 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 you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. We got, I know we what got you mean. to see the story. It's exactly yeah. how I experienced it. But the trailer. now it just, I shoot at the other end, just like loving Connor McDavid so much more because yeah. that guy clearly is a special human to be willing to, and obviously has an amazing team around him because that, that obviously helps on the mental His own side. team, not the Oilers. Let's be very clear. The well, amazing uh, team around him. The current him. team around, the, <laughs> yeah. around him right now is pretty good too. Okay? If they don't get him bottom six scoring and a better backup goalie, what the fuck does this guy need to do? Which one do you consider the backup goalie though? It's a 50-50 shot. No. But my point is the same problems with the Oilers lineup have existed every year of his career. Yeah. And he busts his leg off at the hip. Yeah wills a new one out like a starfish goes to opening night and scores like yeah it's yeah but seeing him the work he's willing to put into re- and he's and he shoots on the other end better are. right like stronger than joke. before correct yeah I, I think for sure like you see him you, see, you heard uh, Lisa say we're going to address all the things that might have been an issue before this, right? So yeah. it's kind of like rebuilding this foundation yeah, um, and addressing common. like the bad habits that you had. Like so often players go into the off season, you know, they, they lick their wounds and then they get back to training. So training is always broken up into three phases in the off season, right? First phase is rebalancing because it's a one-sided sport. You're playing either on your left or your right side. So you develop these imbalances in your body throughout the season. You've got little aches and pains. You've got strains. It's, you know, it's just getting your body back to healthy then you build the power in the middle frame and that's about you know deadlifting and squatting 500 pounds and, and building that like movement force and then leading up to preseason what you do is you work on explosiveness and that speed so those are the three phases that an athlete will typically go to connor just could only worry about his knee yeah. like and just make sure that it's not going to fall off on him when oh. he goes into preseason right that that scene when he goes on the ice with his dad, like that's just the coolest. Oh, that was mid awesome. documentary, just like that was awesome. And it's like go. two months ahead of schedule. We weren't yeah. supposed to go. Oh, it's like, unreal. And then Gary Roberts is like, "Don't do anything." And he's like, "But I got a season to prepare for." Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. like, you know, like what else am I going to do? Up Gary Roberts. And, and it's it's amazing the footage too. You see him; he's just doing like these small circles. He misses a pass, and you can tell he doesn't get like he just wants to keep his two skates on the ground. Yeah. 
to fast forward probably like what half an hour and he's stick handling through all the <laughs> weaving and he's like yeah he's doing like Jeez. mohawk turns i was like yeah i just like that's a competitive spirit man like i was trying to say earlier like, the, like i should at the other end just like having so much more like respect even though i did before but like appreciation i guess yeah for the amount of fu- uh, how talented he is how committed he is and determined he is and it just kind of like reassures me that like fuck man we are going to make the playoffs. We got a good year. one in them, man. And not we, we are going to threaten We're for the worried. cup here soon enough. And I don't know. If and if Ken, yeah. Uncle Ken's listening, the time is fucking now. Amen. I don't know if I said this before, but I feel so fucking grateful that when I was eight years old, I watched the greatest hockey player to ever play hockey. And my son is eight years old and wow. is getting to do the exact Ooh. same thing. Like, that's pretty fucking cool. And so I just hope that the story has the same sort of peaks yeah that's yeah. right yeah. Like, well, yeah i mean it's a lot harder that our our, our our this iteration he's gonna put in the work to fucking Go, try yeah, to get me us that there. there's absolutely no questioning that after you can this. never doubt this guy's commitment to win the the other thing we've really talked about in this whole process a lot of credit to to kate's and the organization right to like you know getting him on those planes and taking him around like they did they were like incredibly supportive like without them being that involved in that support of this really might not have the rehab might not have gone that well well yeah no exactly it's you know you it's tough it's a tough situation to be in because obviously you've got the oilers doctor who sees the initial prognosis the initial mri but he saw it at a time that like there was a ton of swelling they just looked like mush you couldn't really the detail level was really low so that's when he ended up going to Vale and to have the team say yes we support you to go do you know even for your own peace of mind get these other opinions was was huge like that's why if you notice at the end we have a very special thanks to daryl cates because he was really the one that facilitated and allowed it all to happen right what do you mean go on just in terms of you know flying connor to these places and and making sure that he has access to what he needs to have access to right it was kind of like free reign like whatever you need to do to get this better Mm -hmm. you can do it it's not when when they decided it was was daryl cates that set up the third opinion didn't he yeah yeah because Oh yeah, so and it's like well, that's a giant like, but, assist. But yeah, so I because you call those special doctors. You call those billionaires doctors. have different doctors. Well, when they're in the office in in California, um, they said they were in the waiting room for the doctor, and then right before Connor's turn out from the doctor's office walks Blake Griffin, huh. and it's yeah. like, all right, we're in good hands. Yeah, here. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's, if NBA all stars yeah. are coming here, then we're good. There's a different level, I think, of like when us normal people, I won't include you in that, Shane, because you're now better than all of us. But no, like when please. normal people get injured, they're like, yeah, you go stand in line with everybody else. But there's nobody else to stand in line oh, when you're those And guys, you, right? you wait six months for an MRI and then yeah. another four for the results. And they're getting an MRI done and the results are just shown on the computer five minutes later. Yeah. It remi- one, one question. Oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. I was going to say, it reminds me of the Bill Gates documentary and him and Warren Buffett are having lunch. And Warren Buffett's talking, but he's like putting all this salt in his burger. <laughs> and he's like, oh, the other day, my wife took a photo of me putting gravy on something and sent it to all my doctors by email and they were just emailing me back warren stop eating gravy on everything i'm like your motherfucking <laughs> doctors are in constant email conversation you have a medical team on a loop well that's because they're his investment there's, I no, mean, there's they, no more warren so, buffett's so exactly. when it comes to like a guy like kate's when when he's has got him flying around and obviously he's his investment like mm-hmm. this is his number one asset on his hockey team does he send a guy with them or does he like not micromanage that process is he like you guys just 
you guys report back to me. Go see these people. But like, what do you mean, like one of his guys? They're like one of his guys, you know, just to yeah. make like sure the that vice the process... president of Rexall Distribution. Yeah. <laughs> no, like maybe yeah. one of his. I don't know. He's got a fucking team of guys. He's he must got have everybody. somebody that's. Yeah. No, I mean, like, like Connor's agent uh, group and and manager, like they, you know, they're all very plugged in, have really close relationships with you know Bob and Ken and 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 Daryl to a lesser extent because he he's more on the periphery. But you know, he trusts that those guys are doing what needs to be done he empowers them to say okay like who's going with connor is it his agent is it his manager um you know td the medical trainer went with him to Vale just as sort of a representative from the oilers into here and which was probably a really good thing because that's when he got the terrible news that you have to have surgery right if you're gonna like use this documentary as a triangulation of mr kate's like he is we know so little like he's aware of all the things going on and continually being updated correct a hundred percent it's your business right, right. Like, so he's kind of like the cloud he's hovering over everything he's aware everything of everything gets funneled to him the 100%. idea that he's like a detached dictator is not true no and i mean like i don't have a, a close personal relationship with him so i can't speak that you to can it. disclose probably yeah. but yeah, i yeah. but i but i know from having watched on the periphery that yes everything goes to him everything gets reported to him that needs to get reported and he'll weigh in when he needs to right like it's the same with owning a you know Amazon does Jeff Bezos deal with everything day to day no but does he get the big information and does he have a, a overall picture of what's happening 100% I think that's one of the difficulties of sports ownership is like you need the resources to own a team 2020 in 2020 but you also need to have the presence of mind to like not be busy doing the other thing right I think about the chap Jerry Moyes who owned the Coyotes in 2009 the global financial crisis hits he owns the largest trucking company in the U.S. He just told the NHL, like, take my team. I'm fucked. I got real things to worry yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. You need to be a billionaire, but also with nothing else to do except run your team. Well, Steinbrenner did it that way. Well, that's great. Like, there's only... Jerry Jones. Yeah, I mean, these guys Robert are... Well, he didn't buy it in 2020. He bought the Cowboys in, like, oh, 1993 yeah. for 40 million bucks. Yeah, they're business owners, right? And 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 it's not their... The sports team aren't their main business. Right? Never how they made their money. But yeah. they're, most of them are fans. Like, yeah. like, a lot of sports teams lose money. Right. And so, you know, if the value of your team is going up overall, maybe that's fine. But but, you know, I, I think you got to balance those two things out. Well, I think that's one of the reasons Mr. Cates is so smart. Like he, as much as he's taken shit for it, he found a way to take the Oilers ownership mm-hmm. and leverage that into a larger investment mm-hmm. that the on ice performance of the team is sort of not immaterial. But like there's going to be money made on the back end. A lot of teams don't have that secondary investment. I think he's a unique case, though, because he was legitimately a fan growing mm-hmm. up. Like he's a homegrown Edmonton guy who used to go to Oilers games as a young kid and as a you know an early 20s and 30s guy and of course he's a billionaire by 40 so maybe he stops going to games as much but you know he, he genuinely wants the team to win as far as I can tell mm-hmm. which is good uh, my final my final question sort of just on the documentary and all that before we let you go Shane is now that it's out you mentioned we uh, we did the one gift thing on Twitter and you loved scrolling through that but Uh, just the reaction that's come out of it. Like how much have you loved seeing all that? It's really cool. I mean, like, you know, sports docs are almost, I don't want to say easy, but like people are going to like them because they get to go down nostalgia lane and, and remember how great an athlete was or, or reflect on how good they currently are. Um, you know, you guys posting, like give your responses in gift form just had me laughing for an hour because, you know, you've got all these people commenting positive things, but then you've got like the Wayne's world were not worthy and people just like, just like really showing how much they love and care about Connor and the team in general. Um, 
But what surprised me is like, no matter how positive a message you have, like there's always going to be people who are like quick to try and tear things oh, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like six percenters. It, it's, it's six percent. There's six come from people who run big call centers. Six percent yeah. of the people phoning in are crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Straight crazy. So they don't clock your call. They don't see how fast they can resolve it. They're just like, uh-huh. uh-huh. F12. Yeah. While you blabber away. I'm surprised yeah. it's that low to be honest, but <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah, that's low. Sure. But you know, like you have people, like you mentioned earlier, like, um, talking about, oh, well, this is a, a fault of the Canadian medical system that these rich people get to jump the line. It's like, all right, like you've got a knee injury. How many people have jobs? How many millions of dollars are generated because of you? So Connor's a little bit of a different circumstance, right? Um, I saw one comment that made me laugh. This person goes on Twitter. This is the epitome of toxic sports culture. The idea that you, you should celebrate an athlete for, for forcing him to get himself back from injury so quick and, and and, you know, we should prioritize the athlete's health over this. It's like, how do you take this story <laughs> yeah. and flip it to that negative <laughs> viewpoint? Like, firstly, like they did what was best for Connor. Like they, they didn't go a surgical route, which was going to be worse for his health and career long term. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they did just, everything they could to give him every bit of information too. Yeah. yeah to make the right decision. When the others, it was his. No, go. When the others win the cup, which will occur and Connor's hoisting it over his head, I'm going to start a clock on my phone. For how long it takes for the first person to go, yeah, but can they do it next year? What was their bottom six and their uh, salary cap situation? <laughs> like the cup will still be over Connor's head, and there will be Oilers fans already being like, Mm-mm, "This isn't going to last. No way they repeat." Well, you'll be in the crowd. It'll just be somebody next to you. Buddy, I'll be on the ice naked. I'll have <laughs> yeah. fallen over the Remember glass. Remember when they used to be able to do that? I'm oh, not always, coming to help yeah. you. No, no. Remember <laughs> back in the day, you win the cup. There's like guys around the ice with Hell lit yeah. darts. Like, security oh, for oh, Kevin McClellan. Yeah, they were giving high fives. The best. Gretzky's <laughs> shaking guys off. Like, I oh, think yeah. it happens more than... My buddy um, snuck into the Penguins locker room when they beat uh, the Predators, <laughs> whatever year that was, three what? years ago. Yeah. Wow. He's been a biggest Penguins fan since he was a kid. My buddy Adam back in Vancouver, shout out. Um, He's not listening. He, he might. <laughs> he flew out and uh, him and his dad went to the game and they snuck into the Penguins locker room with That's the Stanley amazing. Cup there. Amazing. Fuck. That yeah. just God. takes big balls just to like, because you obviously have to tell a series of lies, I think, and just like I don't build think you have your to way tell in. Anything. It's just that one just of those. Just it? look. You know, like when you Act go to like, like you're meant to be. Yeah. There. If you don't, if you don't have to get your ID at the club. You like you just straight up like you start to stress that they're going to ask you about it or something like that. Back when you were a kid, I can't act like I'm I supposed to walk. be there when I'm supposed to be there. Let alone walk. if I'm not supposed to be there. I'd be like, in, look I like shouldn't I, be here. Goodbye. Look like I already <laughs> had a stamp. Just show my hand. Fuck. I had a. I had a. How do I frame this? You were uh, at the Stanley a, Cup dressing room in Pittsburgh. I had a phone interview not today. Not Yeah, interview yeah. today for um, another podcast you want to do. You're moving over to Copper no, and no, Blue? No, no, for a foreign worker that we're helping out. Oh, that's different. With, with Oodle Noodle. Shout Where? out Oodle Noodle sponsor. Anyways, so you have, to have, you have to have an interview with the government about it. And you, you can't fuck this up because if you fuck it up, you, you, you can affect the livelihood of this person. So they called me. I didn't have any of my paperwork. I was freaking out. And I was like, ah, and, and like pleasant person, but I'm just shitting my pants. Yeah. And I'm like, and I, I didn't, for some reason, I couldn't just immediately recall like, actually, I'm just, can I call you in three minutes? Like I didn't, I was like, I'm like panicking. And then all of a sudden, finally I got there. But like, because you've been so like, that that's call. like, I don't know if I have the skill set to be able to sneak into the picture. Sure, who's helps. Yeah. helps. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So here's, here's the most important question of the podcast. Oh, okay. go on. Wow. I've been listening. I've been waiting. Fuck me. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. All my questions were shit. <laughs> Do, yeah. No, no, no. I said my own this name earlier. Important. Do you think Demi Lovato will take mm. 120.5 seconds above or under 
to sing the national anthem oh, at the it's Super Bowl. Always the under, isn't it? I, I have like been looking at a Who? couple. Demi Lovato. Oh, they, they, they want to talk Super Bowl prop bets. I'll answer this. I have been. I love this documentary, but if we could do another hour on just Super Bowl prop bets, yeah, yeah. Like well, stay. here I, I got an answer for you. As somebody who watched the Oscars, sure, she sang there. She was awesome. And every note was extended past the point of that was a different song. Over under though, I go over because she's in the fucking habit of extending all them notes. Yeah, I'm going to take Land the of the free. Are you? That's going to go on for I, I, ages. I, I, I would like to know the historical betting on, on how often the overhits. But like, if you know Demi Lovato and and you're like friends with her, can you be like, yeah, I just put a shit ton of money on That's the under. Exactly. So if you could just speed it up a little bit. I wonder so, what this at the Royals when they have a kid. If yeah. they're like, throw a cheeky 50 on Lewis. So yeah. you, there, I swear there's circumstances like that because all of a sudden you'll see the line change. Like in terms of what it's paying out, yeah, yeah. Because like I like so like you'll see it like on the Gatorade because like the yeah. like the team equipment manager leaked it to their buddies and their buddies are just loading up the bed in Vegas. No, and that's when they shut it down. Yellow's yeah. paying they nothing. They don't do that. Well, they, they, they have fifty or they have like well, let's say five or six really good analytic years about what people pay and they know how to do the math onto what should be betting getting bet on it. So if every year like seven million dollars is getting bet on which color Gatorades can be in this year, there's like seven million on one color. I believe they know that something's up, Jack. I'd just be like, put a different color of Gatorade out, please. Thank you. Um, there was an issue with that, I want to say, at the Oscars last year, where, like, director of something it allegedly got leaked that some 20-to-1 big underdog was going to win it. And Bodog, all these sites just started getting max bet. Accounts making, coming up, max bet. New account, max bet. So they took it off, and then the guy didn't end up winning. And oh. it was like a fake leak. It was oh, fucked. You wow. know what pissed Devious. me off? Do you watch Game of Thrones? Oh, of course. What Not me. me. I watched documentaries. Was the summer leading into the season, which I think started in April, like Vegas bets all of a sudden who was going to uh, become king? Become Sit king. On the Iron all, Throne. All, who, all of a sudden, Bran just was just running away with it because people, I, I like. I don't know what got leaked, but Paul Brandt, the country singer, Paul Brandt was mm-hmm, going to mm-hmm. take the Iron Throne. I but was I'm like, there. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> fuck. Now I know Brand's going to win it because the Vegas money's is telling me that it's probably right. But I then it wasn't. No, they're right. Oh, ah. I didn't know you could bet on TV shows. You can. But, but, <laughs> before, our friends but before we move on, uh, did, did, <laughs> oh, I, did I tell you the Paul Brandt story from uh, the World Juniors uh, last time we were on the No. So Paul Brandt did the World Juniors 2012 I Was There song, correct? Mm-hmm. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're in, I was part of the organizing committee for the World Juniors, and we're sitting in our offices. Um, Hold on, what? You did not? You're part of the organizing committee oh, for the World Juniors? God. Of course you are. This guy. Hockey Canada, 2011. So boy, we're sitting, oh boy. So we're sitting in our offices at like it's like October or something before the World Juniors and and we get a, a, call, a call in and, and we put Paul Brandt on on the conference line and he's like hey guys like you know I'm really excited to do this song it's going to be great I, I you know huge supporter of this I was up till 3am last night and I, I'm just trying to figure out maybe you guys can help me like what rhymes with Edmonton <laughs> and what? We, had, we had no answer for him I don't think he ended Jesus. up u- ch- using the name of the city in the song but what rhymes with Edmonton? Yeg and Peg. No, you got to do no. like a Migo song. And at the end of every line, just go nya at the end. And then you rhyme the nyas with each other. Oh. And then every word rhymes with everything. That's Edmonton, smart. You're welcome, yeah. Paul Brandt. Little Edmonton. tip. Call your po- pal one you next Edmonton, time. Yeah. 20, 2020 uh, yeah. anthem song, right? Exactly. Yeah. Co-written by. Co-written Wanya. by. Throw me an EP. <laughs> Finally. Because we're done. Are we done? Yeah, we're yeah, done. We're, we can be done. Well, we've already gone well over time. So. Okay, so we're well, done. this was worthy of going over time. It was to finalize. We're very sad about Kobe Bryant. 
Yeah, oh. absolutely. Yeah. Fuck. I Even though this is a hockey this. podcast and it's really none of our business. It's a global event. It is a global it's event. a global tragedy. Yeah. It is. And there, when you have people pass away who are famous, there's a lot of people who have emotional investment in people mm-hmm. like that. So a lot of people feel they know them. There's a playbook for when a musician dies. They made the 27 club, or there's a playbook when an actor passes away or something like that. But a guy like Kobe passing away at 41, especially with his daughter mm-hmm. and the other people involved, there's like no real precedent for something like that. No. And I think like we're living in an era where everybody's already feeling pretty bad. Like all the memes, 2019 ending, like can't wait for 2020, like a Kobe Bryant passing away in January for a lot of folks. Mm-hmm. Very, very sad. Can everyone who is trying to bring up the sexual assault stuff at the time of his death just fuck yeah, off? No shit, hey. Like really? Like the day of you're going to bring up? Yeah. 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 He was a great athlete, but let's but, talk about the shitty things he did once. You know, the shit. I just think it's a respect thing no matter what, like not even just for Kobe, but for like the other lives on there. Like, so, yeah, oh, give, it, give saw, it a minute. Give it a minute. Like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I saw a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, shows that I watched that bring it up and people that I really respect and really, really like what they say. And when they would bring up that thing, uh, um, it was more to show that, you know, like people are flawed and that he made huge changes after going through something like that. Um, he devoted himself to being a family man and mm-hmm. love won over. And, you know, like people like him should be, just, you know, given the benefit of the doubt in some situations like that. And uh, and I think that was what what I hope when people bring it up, because the fact is it's flawed and it's part of a story, but you're right. There should be a memoriam on it for like at least 24 to 48 hours. Let's just have a, a time where we can all think about Let people the agree. seven people that you know weren't named. You know, the fact that he looked in his daughter's eyes and wasn't able to protect her for one last time. And, mm. and you know, just the fact that a wife is now, you know, having to go through this grief it's mm. it's it's awful it struck everybody i, I don't know i don't care who you are that struck you and uh, it's just like we haven't had somebody who was one of the you know maybe one two three best players in a sport go that early you know you've seen guys like mm. muhammad ali but you see them at the end right you let them th- that 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 we've had the ability to see them you know get to the hall of fame slowly and and kind of become that at post career thing and with him it was like it was it was all just starting John yeah. Daly should have died years ago. Years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it was How crazy. How did Keith Richards crazy, crazy outlive weekend. Kobe? Like what the hell? Did you read Jeter's thing that he wrote on? Uh, oh, I haven't yet. I've got that. Yeah, it, it's short and it's sweet. It, but yeah. basically, what he says is like, look, the few times I got to hang out, like despite the fact this guy was an assassin with the ball, we didn't talk about basketball. We didn't talk about baseball. We talked about our daughters. We talked about our wives. Those kind of things. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, Kobe made some mistakes, but like he realized what was important and like everyone is flawed. Everyone fucks up. Well, give well him a, and but minutes grace and, and the so, poor guy passes. Like. Yeah. But like think about the 99.9% of the stuff he did that was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Like we're talk- I, if it's isolated in one instance, fucking regardless uh, I, I, of what I the think hell that, it was. I think that now a lot of people are also going to get to see the dimensions to him, that there wasn't just a basketball assassin, that there was like a business mind there, yep. that there was somebody who That'll just wanted to out. tell a story of I love basketball and ended up winning an Oscar for it. He you was know, an like, investor in Alibaba. Yeah. yeah he was like, a business God man. damn, that is. If only yeah. we knew a documentary filmmaker. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. there's a crazy, like there's going to be a crazy story told about him. Oh, I wish I could be really the one was. to tell it, but I don't think it's going to be me. Can we, we're going to transition to a happy thing and then we'll uh, end it here. Love it. If you had a dream project right now, you're probably already working on it and you're under seven NDAs, but if you could do <laughs> anything you wanted for a documentary or a film sequel to Avatar, <laughs> what I want to get it on the record now. So when you do it, <laughs> you <laughs> <an> Avatar, <laughs> Oh shit. 
<laughs> it's the best movie of all time. Avatar, Papyrus. Have you ever seen that skit? Chalmers, I'm trying to get to the fucking Sorry. gist of this thing here. Sorry. <laughs> if you could do anything you wanted. So I've got any project. I've got two. I've got I've got my sports one and I've got my like meaningful like try and help the world one. Um, the meaningful try and help the world one I loved because I did a short film on um, foreign investment in the Alberta oil sands. Um, and that was really rewarding because when people come up and thank you for a sports stock, they go, I loved it. That was great. You know, you guys did a good job. Like I'm, I'm really inspired, but with the doc that I did on, on, um, the oil sands, people came up to me and said, thank you for, for sticking up for our industry because I feed my family with this job. And like, without this job, I wouldn't have anything and my family would be poor on the streets. So that was a whole different thing. So what I would like to do is a global doc on energy sources, our current, our perspective forms, um, all their pitfalls and all their potential. So like talk about a re reality of, okay, if we shut off oil and gas tomorrow, like how would your cost of living go up? Would you freeze to death? Would you overheat in the summer? Like, yes, we should probably get off fossil fuels at some point, but how realistic is that? And do we need some, some teenager from Scandinavia just spouting off, you know, um, doomsday prophecies to us? Is that really productive? So that's something I'd like to tackle, but, because it's a sports show and a hockey show. It's not a sports show or no, a show. No, I like no those too. <laughs> yeah, what I would really like to do, of course, is Mr. 99 Wayne. Yes. Mm, that would be the dream one. Yeah. What about, and Mess would have a huge part of that too, right? Because I, I believe, I believe, I believe that the captain, Captain Mark Messier, might have more of an untold story, don't you think? Yeah, but does he want that story told? I don't know. Oh. I do. <laughs> I want it told. So Here's the amazing document. thing about a 99 documentary. You're basically doing a documentary on the king, and this I've like you're you know everything I know nothing but like I've heard little vignettes about Gretzky where like a guy told me a story one time he's like I was in a meeting down in Calgary and we were at a restaurant with Wayne Gretzky and he kept looking over my shoulder while we were talking and I thought man this guy's so rude he won't even make eye contact with me gets up goes outside gives a homeless guy who's got his back to the window a wad of cash comes back in and sits down and doesn't say a word. When you do your 99 documentary, can you knit together story? I swear, you like Bill Murray sightings now, mm -hmm. how he pops up at a frat party and does yeah. a beer bong and bounces. Yeah. I swear Gretzky has Gretzky-esque moments of humanitarianism throughout his entire life that everybody who knows him probably has one. I'm almost more interested in that type of shit than knowing that he went to the Rangers at the end and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that's a really astute observation. I think you're right. Like the few times I've been lucky enough to be around him, like- Say what? Yeah, wow. yeah, I don't know. He just keeps just saying that Just hold on, Chalmers. Just hold on. He just keeps dropping it in there. You know this. We talked about this last time. I know, time. but I was hamming it up for the mic. Yeah, uh, we... Uh you know, I see that. Like he, he's very observant. Like he'll, he'll notice things. He'll notice people around him. He'll, you know, he, I don't know all those stories that you're talking about, but I'm sure like you are that they're there and that would them. be really interesting. And I thank you for that idea that I might steal at hmm. some point if I ever do that. Ooh, Chuck me cool. an EP. It's yeah. the Hollywood way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Chuck <laughs> on the IMDB page. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. I uh, really appreciate your time today, Shane. The doc yeah, was man, great. Was I know awesome. Oilers fans loved it. So Unreal. we appreciate you coming into awesome. our dungeon. Yeah. Thank you guys. I just want to say like, obviously we had a, a phenomenal team working on this. Don Metzer, director, producer, Pollyanna Hardwick Brown, co-producer and editor, you know, all everyone that goes into this, it takes an army and like, I'm not the talented one. Like I just kind of help other people do their jobs because they're artistic and talented. Uh, like literally I'm a glorified bag handler and coffee getter on set. <laughs> so I just get the people, the Balder talented Dash. people to where they need to be. And that's, you know, of course, Connor for, for participating and, and he, cause he's listening to this, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, obviously. Yeah. And, you know, Leonard Labradoodle. He's, he's the only person <laughs> who streams this show live. Yeah, one guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Jeff Jackson, Adam Phillips, all those guys, tremendous job. And I was just lucky to be part of that team.
And I'm thankful for that team for sharing that story with us and Me getting too. us behind the scenes of that. And yeah, I want to thank the medical team for making Connor what he's, where, where he's at right now. <laughs> like that you're thanking right now. I thought we were going to end on a happy note. Yeah. 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 Like, but uh, good work, everyone. Like high fives, everyone. Everyone did a great job. Yeah. And now we're fucking... Playoffs 2020. And this is why you don't treat ligament damages with traditional Chinese herbal medicine. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That seems like a good spot to end it. Shane, thanks for your time. Everyone else, thanks for listening along at home or in your car. Nation Real Life episode 156 is over. Great job on making it through the entire hour of the Real Life podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Selling a little? or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.